Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> All right, Miami. Welcome to the Wednesday, March 4th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and we are two weeks away from the open of the 2020 NFL free agency window. League calendar flips over. Excited about this for a number of reasons. Mainly for the fact that we finally get to figure out how aggressive this Miami Dolphins team is really going to be when it comes to all the cap and cash that they have at their disposal. You know, Chris Greer has talked about walking the line between being aggressive but also building for sustainable long-term success. What does that look like for Miami this year? That's that's the great unknown. Is we don't know how much money Miami is planning to invest this year. I would expect 50 to $60 million this year in new contracts, and then they can continue to phase guys in and out as they want. And um, The Dolphins have no shortage of possibilities for everything. And when I say everything, I literally mean everything. But as we get closer and closer and closer, I, I do think the Dolphins do need to start to open their eyes to some of the other teams around the league that could possibly challenge or threaten their posture as the premier team in the 2020 NFL draft. Right now, you know, it's, it's like a big poker game, right? Everybody starts, sits around the table, Everybody gets the same amount of chips. As the game goes on, and the game in this case is previous drafts, the season, there's an exchanging currency, if you will, of draft capital in which the teams that have more picks or trade for more picks or do worse, they their chip stack gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The Miami Dolphins, with three first-round picks, including one in the top five, two in the top 20, and three in the top 30, 14 overall picks when you count the two compensatory picks that we're still waiting on NFL. Come on, let's speed it up now. Really like to get the comp picks in. The Dolphins have they're, they're the big pile. They're the big, big stack of chips right now at the table. It's a good place to be. But there are a number of teams that do stand potentially to threaten that positioning. One of them being the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers pick seven. They don't have any other first-round picks. So it's not as though they're an imminent threat to the Miami Dolphins. And I'd like to kind of put stick a fork in that one now. They, they may stock up on picks, but I don't think they're going to challenge Miami's status in the early portions of the draft. And I actually think this could be an opportunity where these two teams can help each other. What I mean by that is the Carolina Panthers uh, are getting ready to put their fans through the exact same season the Dolphins just went through. Owner, new owner as of a couple years ago, Dave Tepper, fires Ron Rivera, talks about making 
big changes to the organization. And this team is has already sent out the letter to their fan base, thanking them for their patience for what is to come. Sound familiar? It's going to be a rough year in Carolina. But if Carolina is going to sell assets, some of their most valuable assets at their disposal, you could start getting a little nervous if you're Miami and, and Carolina trades Christian McCaffrey, which is at least a conversation point that's interesting when you consider the market value of running backs, paying him a second contract, what their winning window looks like versus that second contract, and with how much usage they put on his tires in three seasons, what his durability and long-term scope might look like by the time they're ready to win again. Carolina's got a decision to make there. And if they flip him and they get a first-round pick, then it's okay. They got seven another first-round pick. And then you think about, what if they trade Cam Newton? You start going down the list, and it's like if they if they sell, and they sell hard. First of all, here's hoping that that people bitch and moan and groan and complain and ask for the competition committee to step in and, and conduct an investigation, like they did against the Dolphins. But this team could pull picks, pretty significantly. And one way that they could do that, hypothetically, hear me out, is a trade back with the Miami Dolphins. All of the discussion for the Dolphins right now centers around we want to sit do we want to sit tight at 5 and pick the best available quarterback or are we really going to marry ourselves to trade up to 3 and go get 2 and whatever it costs to go there and blah 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 blah. But if you look at the trade value chart and the valuation of picks, if you're trading into the top 3 Statistically speaking, over the course of the past 10 years or so, I've conducted this study of all trade-ups for quarterbacks and where you're coming from to start. You're probably going to overpay by about 33% to trade up, which in this case is the equivalent of an extra first-round pick. You're going to have to overpay to move up and go get a quarterback, even if you're moving up from five. All of the recent reports coming out of Indianapolis seem to indicate Washington and Detroit are posturing because they want picks. And the Dolphins, as the chip leader, they're in the driver's seat. They have literally, they can throw their weight around however they would like to. And the teams behind them that are might be interested in trading up are going to have to mortgage three years' worth of draft classes to equal what Miami could snap their fingers and create in one year. So there's posturing with Washington and Detroit, and the reports seem to indicate they're not going to draft a quarterback. The Giants under Dave Gettleman, who is the GM of the Giants, has literally never traded back in his life. I'm going to repeat that. He's literally never traded back in his life. So if you're the Dolphins... And you know, two and three are sitting here posturing, but you are the big stack of chips, and you can throw your weight around and, and, and crush any offer that those other teams get. If you want, there's an intimidation factor for those teams that it's like, well, do we even really want to get into that mess? So the Dolphins, theoretically, and I'm a big proponent of this, sit tight at five. Get your quarterback of choice. If Tua Tonga Viola goes at three to the Detroit Lions... Bless them. I don't think that team is equipped to cultivate and grow based on the coaching staff that we've seen with Matt Patricia, and then you're going to get into a lame duck situation with a head coaching change. If, if they want to do that, 
I'd let him do it. I feel comfortable with our coaching staff to grow and cultivate and develop talent because that's what they showed in 2019. And that's the most important piece, and I think that's the piece of the puzzle that a lot of people overlook when they think about what the Dolphins have done in the past versus what they're going to do in the future. Coaching is a huge variable, and the Dolphins have fumbled multiple coaching hires in the past at just hunting sexy offensive names. It's not what they've done with Brian Flores. But you sit tight at five, and from there, you get your quarterback of choice, whoever's best available for you on your board. Some people think that's Utah State's Jordan Love after Tua and Joe Burrow. Some people think it's Justin Herbert. Tua himself might be there. They'll have options. But if you do that, then what? The L.A. Chargers are on the clock. They're presumed to need a quarterback. If both Tua and Herbert are there, the other one's probably going at six to the L.A. Chargers. Or this is a team, if they get a veteran quarterback, they're going to desperately need offensive tackle help. So now you're looking at the potential of Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, top offensive tackle, most likely, quarterback one, quarterback two, and then the Carolina Panthers come on the clock. What's to stop the Miami Dolphins from trading up from 18 to go make a big splash? If Dolphins fans are willing to walk away from the first round, trading 26 to go up to three, which I'm not, but if you are okay with that idea, you should absolutely positively be okay with trading 18 and 26 to go up to seven with the Carolina Panthers. Because the trade value chart, you're not trading up for a quarterback. There's no more appealing quarterbacks left on the board at this point in the draft. 18 and 26 is actually worth more on the trade value chart than what seven is by 100 points, which for for scope is approximately the difference of a third-round pick. So the Miami Dolphins could feasibly jump up to seven. Carolina wins because they get more assets to build towards with the future, and then they they want to continue to trade back and get more 2021 picks, whatever they want to do. That's, that's fine. But the Dolphins could sit tight at five, get their quarterback of choice, and we're going to trust it no matter what because this coaching staff showed in 2019 that they can develop players. And then at seven, you can get Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs. Or you can get Caleb Von Chason, who we talked about last Thursday on the show. Or you can get Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker safety hybrid who would be a dream come true for Brian Flores. It's a pretty interesting thought. And not one that has regularly been discussed. I know... Uh, there was a report about two weeks ago that the Dolphins were interested in using their, their second first-round pick for an offensive tackle. Well, you could feasibly trade up to seven for the cost of 18 and 26, for the cost of 26, which is the same cost many people would be interested in trading up to go get two at three, hypothetically. You could take that same pick and trade it and go from 18 to seven and get offensive tackle two or three, depending on what happens with the quarterbacks. 
I like it. I like the idea a lot. Get blue chip players on both sides of the ball. Would I like having the extra first round pick? Yes, of course. If the Dolphins were going to reside to draft Jordan Love, would I like to see them perhaps trade back from five a little bit and get more picks? Yes, I would. But we have to prepare ourselves mentally for every point on the spectrum of how this pendulum can swing with how aggressive, how conservative, how passive they might be. This is an aggressive outlet. And if they were going to do that, I would look to continue to tap into the Carolina Panthers and their fire sale. An offensive guard, Trey Turner, is reportedly already being shot by the Panthers. He's 26 years old. He's a former top 100 pick out of LSU in 2014. He played, or his agent is Drew Rosenhaus. Okay, so he's, he's a fairly heavy hitter. He's the third highest paid guard on his average salary uh, per year in the NFL. He signed a four-year, $45 million contract in 2017. He's a good player. He plays right guard, and he would probably be the Dolphins' best offensive lineman from the second he stepped on to the facility. If the Panthers are going to make him available because they want to collect assets, this might be a more attractive play than trying to force some of the free agent dominoes to fall Miami's way because it might cost you it might cost you 70 might cost you the 70th pick in the 2020 NFL draft to go out and get a guy who's 26 years old. He's due $20 million in cash over the next two seasons combined. Miami's cap hit for him will be $8.9 million in 2020 and $11.5 million in 2021. And then you've either got to renegotiate a contract or move on or whatever you want to do from there. But he's guaranteed to be a better pro player than anyone that you're going to draft at 70 over the course of the next two seasons on the interior offensive line. He's got a track record. His best seasons were early in his career, 20, uh, 2015, 2016, right before he signed the new contract extension, were his best seasons. But he's played in 13 games in each of the last three years. And he's, again, He's a good football player, good interior offensive lineman. He's got a lot of power in his frame. He has the ability to reset the line of scrimmage, move guys off. Go back and find me one rep of Shaq Calhoun doing that last year. Please. I'd love to see it. It wasn't there. And the the Dolphins need to grossly reinvest in the offensive line as a whole. And not just address it, but invest in it. That's something that... Uh, has been a big, I've become a big champion of, uh, mentioned it, I believe, once or twice throughout the course of Dolphins podcasting, but not sure I've ever brought it to the table here through my first week and a half of Locked On Dolphins. There's a difference. You can go out and acquire a guy, and you've addressed a need. But have you really invested in that need to really fix the problem? The Dolphins, for a really long time, uh, the Josh Sittens of the world, no signings. They're addressing the problem, but they're not investing to really fix it. Kind of a smattering of, oh, we need a guy here, we'll pick this guy. Oh, we need a guy there, we'll sign this guy. He's 31, but whatever. He was a good player in the past. Look at what the Buffalo Bills did this past offseason, 2019 offseason. I think they signed eight offensive linemen and drafted another one. 
They got four new starters overnight. By the time they took the field in 2019 season opener versus the last time they were on the field in 2018, four new starters in the offensive line. A rookie, three, three veteran free agents. That's investing in a problem to fix it for good. And that's what I'd love to see the Dolphins do this year. So if you got to trade a three for Trey Turner, you got to sign Joe Thune to $13.5, $14, million, $15 million a year. I wouldn't go much higher than that. But that should get it done because that'll be a record-setting contract for a guard. And then you draft Cesar Ruiz at 39, the center from Michigan. And if you hypothetically were to draft an offensive tackle, if you didn't do the aggressive trade-up, or if you did the aggressive trade-up and went up and got Tristan Wirfs at, at seven. Now all of a sudden you got two rookies on this offensive line, two veteran guards, and a left tackle. That's investing to fix your problem. And that's what I'd love to see the Dolphins do. Because this And, and that is the most important thing for us as fans to realize is they can't fix everything this offseason. There's too many holes to plug. But they should prioritize what their most glaring issues are, where the most value is this offseason to address problems and swing heavy in those areas to make sure they get it right. The offensive line, it's a great year to need offensive line. And there's not a lot of years you could say that in today's NFL. That is a the Dolphins have to strike while that iron is hot and take advantage. And then if you need a left tackle in 2021, okay, you know that you need to find one guy, but you've got a surplus of picks, a surplus of cap. The only player that's been pulled off the market on the offensive line is Brandon Scherf with the franchise tag. He'll still technically be available, but I don't want to get into that. Not interested in paying what it's going to cost to get him. But this interior offensive line group in the NFL draft, Cesar Ruiz is a potential top 40 pick, either 39 or 26. I wouldn't be mad either way. You've got the four offensive tackles that should go in the top 20. Feasibly could be out of Miami's range. Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Jedrick Wills from Alabama and Mekhi Becton from Louisville. Even beyond that, you got Lucas Nyang from TCU plays right tackle. Should be a top 50 pick if his hip is healthy. Josh Jones, he's raw, developmental, but really good physical skill set to work with. You keep going. Yeah, I mean, you, you could keep going. Austin Jackson's a developmental offensive tackle. Some people peg him as a first-round guy. I'm not comfortable with that, but if he's there at 39 or, or 56, I wouldn't hate it. And that doesn't even get into guard. Guard play like Robert Hunt from Louisiana, who's a powerful dude, played tackle in college, is going to play inside at guard. Or Matt Hennessy from uh, Temple, who's a true center. Like, the list goes on and on and on and on. It's like, okay, like, let's get strategic here. And let's invest to fix a problem. If the Dolphins can come out of free agency plucking over New England holdovers, get themselves a pass rusher, and invest heavy in the offensive line, this offseason's a win. Again, regardless of which quarterback they think, because I think each of the top 
four quarterbacks in this year's draft, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavaiola, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love. I would trust this coaching staff, and you can spin and pivot the change to Chan Gailey as a plus for any of them based on what his most recent offenses look like. And again, I trust this coaching staff because this coaching staff has done something that Adam Gase's group never did and Joe Philbin's group never did, which was take physical talent and create better football players with it. Mike Isecki, Devontae Parker, Nick Needham, Vince Beagle. Christian Wilkins throughout the course of his rookie season. Jerome Baker took a big leap. Sam McGuavin, a CFL guy. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty significant, the number of guys that made jumps. And that's not even to mention the street free agents that they're signing that are starting for the Dolphins within two weeks. And they're winning football games with it. Beating the Patriots in Foxborough Week 17. Eric Rowe had a career year. You should trust this coaching staff. Jordan Love and Justin Herbert, they have phenomenal physical tools. They have better physical tools than Tua and Joe Burrow do as far as pure athleticism, arm talent, arm strength, ability to get outside the pocket. Those two later guys are better in those areas than the two guys that are going to go for probably be the first two quarterbacks off the board and Tua and Joe Burrow. So if you're going to task a coaching staff with, okay, you got to tame the wild stallion here and you got to get him in line to, to play within the structure of your offense and kind of walk that line between being aggressive and getting outside the pocket. Like this is the kind of coaching staff that I would trust to do that. Never mind the Josh Rosen scenario, but if you were to put every quarterback into the bucket that Josh Rosen's in, I think you're setting yourself up for failure because Rosen once he got here, it became very apparent very quickly that from a mental side of the game, he was not what he was billed to be. The Dolphins can't possibly know that. Well, the Dolphins right now are going through the vetting process with each of these guys. So they're going to be comfortable with the football IQ of whoever they bring into the building because they're going to do their due diligence on all of them versus, you know, they were more than a year removed from their due diligence on Josh Rosen who had a year in Arizona, who they then just kind of had to take a shot in the dark and roll the dice because you can't really talk to a guy who's on another team. I want to switch gears here to end the show. Uh, Barry Jackson, Miami Herald, uh, put out a report detailing all of the former Patriots that the Miami Dolphins are reportedly going to be interested in this offseason with the free agency window coming up here in the next two weeks. And it is exciting to uh, see this pipeline kind of materialize. Would I, would I go crazy over getting all these guys? Not necessarily because some of these guys like Devin McCourty is a name that's been mentioned. They're, they're older guys. They're probably going to cost 8 to 10 $11 million a year. But the names that were mentioned and included – Devin McCourty, Joe Thune, Logan Ryan, Ted Karras, another interior offensive lineman, center. If the Dolphins can land those four guys, Logan Ryan's played his last three years in Tennessee, it will probably cost the team 
somewhere around 14 to 15 for Joe Thune. Logan Ryan's last deal was three years, 10 or $30 million, so 10 years apiece. So now you're 20, let's call it 25. Devin McCourty's last deal was for nine and a half per. Let's with inflation and, and depreciation of him with his age, let's call that nine. So now you're at 34. Joe Thune's probably three, four, five million dollars. Let's split the difference. It's four. So now you're 38. So you've brought in four potential starters from the New England Patriots branch with championship pedigrees from Foxborough, and you've done it with less than $40 million against your cap year one if you fully guaranteed their first years of their contracts. This doesn't get into Kyle Van Noy, who they've been attached to, who's probably going to be 7 or $8 million a year as well. So now you're talking potentially five starters for a very reasonable amount of money in the grand scheme of the NFL's point of view. Devin McCourty, Logan Ryan, Joe Thune, Ted Karras, Kyle Van Noy. That sums up. That's The Dolphins would probably still have... Hmm, that's about half their cap space. Then if they wanted to go out and, and sign Jack Conklin if they wanted to... That's probably 16 to $18 million. Now you're probably getting to the point where you'd be done. It'd be all small guys after that, short-term deals. And then you can add and build out through the draft. But that gives you a lot to work with. That would be, two, theoretically, two starting offensive linemen in free agency. Critical player in Kyle Van Noy to kind of complement the Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker Van Noy kind of playing that pressure linebacker role. Then McCourty's a free safety. Can boom Bobby McCain back to the nickel? Ted Karras' depth up front. That's an exciting proposition for Miami. If they can convince all of those guys to come down. Of course, the big change here and the bit or the big the interesting nugget is there was uncertainty on whether or not the Dolphins were going to be interested in this Patriots pipeline as they've been segueing away from Patriots assistant coaches. Well, it appears as though, according to Barry Jackson, they will be. How aggressive do they want to be? How much of continuity with Brian Flores can, can and no state income tax and competitive salaries can the Dolphins parlay into actually getting these deals done? Miami has momentum. They're a young team. They've got money. They've got a coach that's worked with all of these guys before, and Flores is very much a pro players coach. Weather's nicer than New England. You don't pay income tax. Sounds pretty good to me. The Dolphins are positioned to have one hell of a free agent pitch. And if they get all their guys on that front, you're looking for maybe one big fish on the offensive line slash uh, pass rusher. And then you can go into the draft and theoretically say, okay, I can be as aggressive as I want to be to go get blue-chip football players that are going to help the identity of my team moving forward. Lots to look forward to. Lots to be excited about. Free agency opens in two weeks. I'm Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Thanks for listening. Hit subscribe. If you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star review. I'd love to read it. Really appreciate all the the five-star reviews I'm already getting. 
but about 608 of the 612 reviews that we've gotten are in regards to <laughs> Travis, who is now obviously working with the Miami Dolphins and, and has the Drive Time podcast that I'd recommend you guys hit subscribe to as well. But come on back. There's a lot to dig into over the course of the next two weeks. I promise I'm going to take you through it. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked On Dolphins.